I think there's this misconception that an intelligent building is going to cost a lot of money. But if we understand what the outcomes are and the experiences that we're trying to create or operational efficiencies we're trying to achieve and then make technology choices based on those outcomes, we're going to be in a lot better place. We're trying to make solution fits into buildings when we've never even understood, was there a problem there to solve in the beginning? You are listening to the Beyond Buildings podcast, where we talk to innovative leaders on how they create optimal value in a smart world context. We combine strategy and technology talk to absorb reality, embrace uncertainty, and to go from path dependency to path creation. It's smart cities, it's smart buildings, it's data strategies, it's construction, it's real estate and industry 4.0, and most of all, it's smart people. And remember, it's the data you don't have that will change your life. With your host, the future shaper, the ecosystem architect, Nicholas Wern. This episode is sponsored by Platform of Trust. I like Platform of Trust because it enables companies to create value from any type of data. Therefore, it saves time, money, and it's the perfect tool for companies who want to make data-driven decisions on data they can trust. They make it easy to collect, harmonize, and trust the data from different sources and basically any source that you want. And you don't need to hire 10 IT technicians or spend hundreds of thousands for a cloud platform because Platform of Trust can manage integrations and you'll see if something goes down in real time. Platform of Trust enables companies to take action based on the data that you can trust. Today, not tomorrow. In this episode of the Beyond Buildings podcast, we continue to listen to the great building automation guru, Rob Huntington from Australia, where we talk more about the change needed in the real estate industry. At the very beginning of this part two, I go on a very big rant about digital twins, what they are, what they should solve, and what value they can provide for customers and stakeholders all around. We discuss the importance of context and how expensive is something really when viewing it from a holistic perspective. We talk about digital twin conversion and what a digital twin is and what it might be, real-time visualization, scalable and AI-ready data fabrics, and how do we actually solve the knowledge sharing gap that exists in the industry today? How can the building be ready for the unknown? What is parametric design and generative design and what does it matter for construction all around? Digital twins for visualization or for simulation? And will an intelligent building cost more money? What is the sense of urgency to run what-if scenarios and simulations knowing what will happen before it happens? We also discuss at length if this really is a technology problem or a people problem. Simply put, this is an episode you can't miss. Go above and beyond with Beyond Buildings podcast. If you ask 10 digital twin specialists what a digital twin is, they're going to give like 100 different answers. That is a challenge of sorts, I guess. But there's also the problem with having this agreed upon definition of what a digital twin is, which I see some more people are doing still, right? It's exactly the same as we should agree on a standard, backnet, whatever it is. We should agree on this. Historically, that hasn't really worked that well. So this is my perspective today, at least. It might change next week, but it's better to have someone, what you said, right? That, okay, we adhere to this standard, whether it's brick scheme or haystack uh, tagging or back in the IP, that's fine because it adds a frame of reference. Whether that's the best one or not, it doesn't really matter as much. It's just something to tag the data to, right? But it's also the digital twin coming from the construction side. If we talk about the construction digital twin, that's usually BIM models, CAD, Revit, uh, building information models. 
And historically, there's also a lot of, as well as there is in building automation perspective, as in we should agree on backnet or whatever it is, there's also this obsession with agreeing to, again, a standard. So like IFC and building information models that, okay, this is how we communicate. This is the data about data in the BIM world, in digital twins and construction. And that's a problem because IFC standard is an ASCII-based, like a text-based communication sort of like format or like a prescription. The BIM people are going to hate me for saying that because I'm probably a bit wrong, but it's basically the same. It's just like an outdated way of communicating what BIM is that doesn't really scale in real time. So you have the construction digital twin, and that can't really expand out of the construction sphere. So you're using it for BIM, but it doesn't get during the entire operating phase. So that's one of the biggest challenges right now. If you're talking about construction digital twins, okay, how do we manage to use them during the entire life cycle? Because they usually get killed during the handover phase. They're used during construction, so much value, but then again, like the owners, they don't get to see the benefits of it. The FM teams that would love this stuff to find that actually the single pane of glass because the data is tagged to the digital twin or to the construction digital twin, so it can follow them. You can see the 3D visualization part. It doesn't really exist, to be honest, because the owners, the FM companies, the technical asset managers that work mostly, as well as the consultants, they don't have the people, the systems, uh, the hierarchy, the technology, the know-how to do these kind of things. It gets lost, that gets killed, then it gets sort of built up again as Excel sheets to do whatever they want to do. So that's the problem with the construction digital twin. But then you have also like specific digital twins as in just mirrors of the existing like IoT data, let's say. So you build a digital twin based on, let's say, the intelligent infrastructure that is inside the building. But then what you do is that you only take it to a BI dashboard. So again, that's very, very specific. So you have to be an expert in your field to be able to understand what the data is telling you. Otherwise, it's impossible. So that's like another type of digital twin that also exists, especially for intelligent buildings. And you have this single pane of glass for anything IoT, OT, IoT, IT conversion, right? So the complete digital twin is the combination of these two. So you have the 3D visualizations. So you can understand, okay, this is a building. This is a room. This is something that is in like an access point. Everyone can understand what we're talking about because that doesn't happen if someone is looking at the BI dashboard, it's a specific digital twin for people, right? You can't involve like the marketing girl or guy, the, the CEO or COO or CFO, and just look at this dashboard. They can't understand what's going on. And the other thing is just looking at the BIM stuff, it's also also for domain experts. That's for construction people to understand, okay, these are the dimensions, these are the metrics. It's by mashing the 3D visualization of whatever entity it is. It could be a ship, it could be a building, it could be a city, it could be whatever, as well as the underlying data structure, as in the, the what makes it intelligent. But by combining these two and digital twin, that's the whole premise. And then if we go into the data harmonization part, so it doesn't get like the problem of this silo solutions that are visualized as well, because you need to have the digital twin as in, okay, you want to see dependencies. So if you say, okay, over here in this room in the hotel, there's a problem. And they say, okay, I have no idea about the problem. So that's also the skill shortage gap. Because if you go into an existing building and they say, okay, yeah, but the other Rob who worked here for 40 years, he would know exactly what the problem was. Because he's been here for 40 years, he helped build the building, all these kind of things. But for a new one, they got no idea. 
Basically, it could be something in the basement that affects something over here, right? And then it's just like all this problem. So you want to have something, again, which shows the dependencies. So that means that you have to have the building in a 3D visualization, but you also have the systems and they have to be interconnected because otherwise you're going to miss out exactly what the dependencies are. So that's for me is the complete digital twin. And I only know a couple of platforms that are able to do this. And today they're very, well, quite expensive. But again, like how, ex what is expensive? That's also like the cost focus that we have in this business today, as in we don't see the benefits because it's not like, okay, if we add this one, it costs more, but because we don't see the dependencies, it's just a cost in a silo. But that actually might affect someone else in another silo where they can save 95% or even eliminates like these five cables or whatever it is, right? So I love what you said before, like going back in time, actually two years before it started, there's this thing about building the digital twin first. But what you're saying is actually talking about it even before that in the very groups that are going to affect the whole life cycle, because that's what I think as well, right? That the, every person that is involved in the building, especially during the operating phase, they have to have a say as early on as possible. They do not today, right? But they should have a say. And again, I think that's where the digital twin comes in. I think that's also the difference between the construction digital twin, the systems digital twin, which doesn't have a 3D visualization or it doesn't have anything in real world context to frame it in. And also the complete digital twin, which encapsulates both the digital systems, so to say, and also harmonizes that to an ontology that it can absorb Haystack or Brick. And, but it's very, very different, as well as making like everything come together. So I think there are a lot of differences here. And I think that IoT platforms are great to provide that single API to an extent, but it doesn't reach all the way. It's only for like the IT people or for analytics people per se, maybe. But again, then they also lost the metadata tagging to some extent, a lot of them. It's very, very specific. So it's very challenging, I think, still. And that's because we talk about technology. Because now the only thing that we're talking about a lot is a lot of technology. But the problems, at least that I see, is the communication between both between systems and all these kind of things. You, you can't realize and what the benefits are for everyone. Okay, we want to be able to communicate through different disciplines. We need to be able to make decisions together based on something that actually talks to each other so that we get the full picture. We need to ensure that these things don't happen in isolation. If something happens, we need to understand quickly why it has happened, how it has happened, and how we fix it together. These are the things that we don't talk about enough, I think. We just talk about the technology and all these problems, but we should talk about more about the benefits. And I think technology, AI, machine learning, blockchain, uh, all of these kind of things, I mean, it's just tools, right? It's just tools that do a very, very specific thing. They need to come together. But we as experts or whatever we are, we need to talk about the two owners and everyone else in their language or in everyone's language to just talk like, what is it that we actually want to see? And I think that's also one of the biggest problems because a lot of the real estate owners or construction companies or companies that are very traditional or worked for such a long time, they don't really know what they want to do. Like their vision, it doesn't really exist. Their mission, what is the value that they want to provide still, right? It's definitely different to what it maybe was like five years ago, 10 years ago, which goes back to the hotel concept. 
Now it's internet quality or like Wi-Fi access point or these kind of things that is top of mind of their tenants. But it's not necessarily that their, their organization is there yet or that they haven't kept up with the times, which is also a challenge because all the projects are getting steered in such a traditional direction. So and then they say, okay, we got a problem here. What is the problem? Well, technology. No. What is it that you actually want to achieve? What is the problems? Not talking about you know that you have. Well, it's wasting time. It's losing. I mean, it's all of these kind of things. And then it's up to us to think about, okay, how should we do this in an interoperable way, open way, future way, like with added flexibility and for buildings to like pass the test of time, because we know today what people want, right? But we don't necessarily know what the building needs to be able to cater to in 20 years, in 30 years. So that's, I think, like betting on the unknown and making the building so like ready for whatever you can throw at it. That is the most important thing. And I think that's what we're missing, not only from the construction phase, but of course, with existing buildings, and we still continue with the vendor lock-ins and all these kind of things. The conversation has to change to outcome-oriented procurement instead of cost-driven procurement, because the, the ironic thing is that integration done properly will save money. And again, that cabling example, yeah, it's pretty quick and easy to understand that running one cable to a room is going to cost less than running six cables to a room. So again, I think there's this misconception that an intelligent building is going to cost a lot of money. But if we understand what the outcomes are and the experiences that we're trying to create or operational efficiencies we're trying to achieve and then make technology choices based on those outcomes, we're going to be in a lot better place. But at the moment, it seems that we get all these technology providers or all these solutions come in at the procurement phase and they're going to solve all of our problems. But we haven't actually understood what the problem was in the first place. So talking about we're going to deploy analytics or we're going to deploy this thermal imaging system or we're trying to make solution fits into buildings when we've never even understood was there a problem there to solve in the beginning. And quite often, yeah, I don't think there was a problem to begin with, but the yeah, the technology or solutions providers have created a perceived problem that building owners think they need that technology to solve, if that makes sense. So if we forget about all the technology and, and that's where that partner needs to be involved at a very early stage and talking about, again, that outcomes orient or an outcomes focus as opposed to a technology focus. And yeah, once we understand what we're trying to achieve, then the technology choices become easy. We know that we need an integrated backbone. We know we need wireless access points in every single room. I had another similar case with an aged care facility where basically adopted the hotel room concept to say, let's put a wireless access point in every room in the aged care facility. And again, that was just a really foreign concept to them because they've got their wireless access points in the common areas. They don't need very many. The common areas bleed into the rooms and they're happy. But when you're talking about future-proofing like you were before, what better way to future-proof that facility for the next 20 years, putting a much more robust sort of wireless access point in, set of infrastructure in an access point in every room and interestingly when i did the analysis of that particular job whilst there was an added cost for more wireless access points there was a huge cost saving in reducing the number of cables for every room so it actually ended up being sort of counterintuitive i guess at the beginning because the first instinct from the builder was to say but that's going to add cost because i'm going to need it was about a 200 room aged care facility so we're going to need 200 extra waps we're not, we're not paying for that. And I'm like, well, hang on. You do have 200 extra WAPs, but you're not going to have to run six cables to every room. You're going to run one. 
And again, the savings of the cabling offset the WAPs and some. So again, early engagement and being able to have that conversation with an owner developer before the traditional consultants have got involved because it's already too late once they're involved. It's almost a consultant to the consultants. That's sort of my vision at the moment is that entity who can actually influence all the other consultants because that's almost where it starts because the consultants design buildings in isolation. And the, the hotel room control example is another classic where the electrical contractor will design a lighting control system in the electrical package, but the air conditioning control sits in BMS under the mechanical package. You end up with two controllers in a room that could have been one. People not talking to each other. And I think that's an industry problem, right? But it's also the technology problem is that the single pane of glass platform that doesn't come in until late. And that single pane of glass hasn't come in yet either. So I think like the digital twin perspective, if you have like the construction digital twin is the BIM, right? That is more about how the building is going to look like when it's finished and it's building information models and these kind of things. But that is also incomplete. Because again, this is what you're seeing. I mean, the classic like mechanical, electrical, <laughs> it exists everywhere. They don't talk to each other. They almost hate each other. Yes. And that's when you <laughs> end up with these kind of problems, right? But if you would have this in a digital twin that has cost, that has different infrastructure, all these kind of things, then someone would see, okay, if we change this, now we're talking about nitty-gritty like parametric design or generative design that if something changes, something else is going to change, right? Of course, that is the fact today, but we don't see it. We don't see it. We don't see how that affects someone else. And even if we know about it, people don't care because yeah, it's not our problem. It's someone else's problem. And that someone else's problem always ends up in the operating phase as in higher cost or like less degree of flexibility, all these kind of things. So that's again, like the complete digital twin should be there from the beginning. That would allow people from different disciplines to see, okay, if I change this over here, then all of these other things are going to change, as in would add access points and whatever, all the rooms, oops, whoops, instead of six cables, we only got one cable for every room, right? That's when the CFO can actually understand this stuff. That's when the construction companies can understand this. This is where the owners can understand this. This is when everyone can just sit and look at the same thing and understand each other's backgrounds, understand what's going on, and you can actually do this for real. But it's not there yet. And I'm glad we got to this point because for me, this is the missing link with the digital twin, the, the simulation. I was thinking more operationally simulating different conditions. But yeah, from a construction point, if you had that digital twin and you say, right, here is option A, here's his traditional six cables per room, and here's the electrical or the lighting controller and the BMS controller, et cetera. And then you do a simulation to say, this is what an integrated room control solution looks like. Here's the effect on the cabling. It simulates and gives you the comparison between the two. And then the choice is very easy to say, right, we can, we're going to get a far better experience because we've got an integrated room solution. We've got one, we've avoided duplication in hardware. We've avoided a whole lot of cabling costs. Like, And again, like I said, that's for me, the missing link if we look at what I think a digital twin should be, very literally, the ability to simulate different conditions and look at cause and effect, I guess that's the part that's missing for me. Yeah, I mean, that's what everyone's trying to do. I was in a call yesterday with someone that has never heard about digital twins. I tried to explain it to him like a couple of minutes and he just said, okay, so there are people trying to simulate the real world. Yeah, that's what it is. I mean, that's the only thing that everyone is trying to do, but everyone is coming at it from different angles. I think there's a difference between simulation and 
visualization. So for me, like a BMS is almost a digital twin. Like you've got a 3D floor plan, you've got some temperatures on the floor plan. And I mean, arguably you could say that was a digital twin, but like, I guess in my research so far, the go-to for digital twins or the history behind digital twins goes back to Apollo 13 by the looks of it. And again, that's the vision I've got in my head of this physical asset and simulating conditions on Earth that were influencing or driving choices in space, basically. So being able to simulate, yeah, actually simulate different conditions here and make changes. So again, that's where I'm just trying to get my head around how that simulation aspect actually works. Having the ability to say, you've got the data that you captured from how the building operated today. And are you able to say, what would happen if I adjusted my chilled water temperature up a degree? What would have happened to the space conditions? What would happen to the energy consumption? That's sort of my understanding of what a simulation would be. Yeah, simulating different environments on a data set that we've got and looking at, yeah, by increasing the chilled water temperature by a degree in a building, would that have had a positive or negative impact on tenant comfort and or energy consumption? Yeah, yeah, of course. I've been researching this for, I don't know how long, but I mean, day and night, uh, even sleeping, I think, like waking up with uh, some ideas. But I absolutely agree. That's the point, right? But I think like it's more than the isolation of that building as a confined space. It's basically how that building would operate, again, uh, in a very large context for other buildings in the portfolio to learn from other buildings. Of course, like Tesla is a good example. The car itself has onboard logic, right? It has to make split decisions. So you have intelligence in the actual car, but then it sends like some part of the data as well to the mothership, right? And that takes in a lot of the data from the other cars. It's not all of the data. It's just maybe 1% or less or whatever it is. It's just a small, small fraction of the data, but and that it also learns. Yeah, benchmarking and learns. And if you can see, okay, these cars learned this, okay, we're going to teach everyone about this. The same with buildings. And that's also like, if we change this in one car, or if we change this, et cetera, et cetera, or if, if this regulatory parameter now changed here, how does that affect anything that we do? It's more than just a building. It's about risk. It's about all the things that you haven't been able to do. So it's, again, the simulation of the real world context. It's exactly that. But we're trying to do it now in specific silos. So like even if the BMS or the BAS or whatever CCTV is, that is in a digital twin, so to say, it's again usually just the systems. It's not the visualization part. And for people to say that the visualization part, yeah, that we don't need that. Okay, but good luck trying to transfer knowledge from this specific digital twin to anyone else. Impossible. You can't really do it. So that's why the visual part and the digital part and the ontology, as in making the systems talk to each other, understand each other, as well as making so like other data, other data that is from the risk, from the market, all these competitors come up with this. How does that affect what we do? We run out of these parts in our supply chain. How does that affect anything else? Again, like simulating the real world and the dependencies that exist in the real world, that is what a digital twin is about. And if you have that base, when you're building the building, it's going to be there for all time. That goes back to the outcome base because you want, okay, I want the best building based on here it's where it sits. Here's the people that are going to go into this building. Let's say it's a hospital, whatever it is. Okay, I want the best hospital there is. You click a button and then boom, it exists because the information is already there. We already have the information today because everyone is working on great programs, great people, 
all of these kind of things, but it's stuck in silos. So the question is, okay, how can a digital twin platform, so to say, encapsulate what we're already doing in specific contexts, but bring that about so that everyone can understand it, everyone can look at it and produce value from it in real time and understand the dependencies for everyone. That's what it is. And I think that those platforms exist now, but it's a problem because you always go back in time and say, okay, what is proven? Uh, what are coming out from the big vendors? All of these kind of things. And that's still the same stuff. And to an extent that is fine because these platforms can work with as a complement to everything that is out there to suck in data through the APIs, making understandables and also visualize it in a 3D perspective so that everyone can understand what we're talking about. What are the benefits that we're after? Okay, we want people to communicate easier, we want to make people to make decisions across silos. We want to see if something happens over here, how that makes a change over here. Oh yeah, that's then it's a digital twin. But it's not a specific digital twin just for the systems. It's not a specific digital twin just for the visualization part. It's a complete digital twin that encapsulates this together. So that is the, definitely the next step of digital twins. Again, like not really talking about technology, but talking about the benefits that we actually need in a real world. And that's actually all of these things together. And again, like there, I only knew a handful of platforms that can do this, but that's definitely something, I mean, where we're here. So I see that we've reached sort of like, okay, now we have the technology to sort of like absorb reality in, in the best way possible to make this happen. It's just a matter of time because everything, in my opinion, is going to be run on a digital twin, so like platform, but whatever happens on top of it, what kind of applications are built on top of it, that's just like the App Store concept, right? It's just like enablement of people to do their best in their specific silos, but with the difference that they can then communicate with others what they're doing and in real time see how it affects everyone else. So I think that this is what everyone wants, but the owners are not necessarily there because they're also used to, we're making money, right? But Post-COVID, I think the sense of urgency on a global scale is infathomable, to be honest. Uh, the new normal, as everyone tells about, I mean, it is different. It is very, very different to anything else that I think like the real estate industry has ever come across or like a lot of industries is going to be impacted. The way things have always been done and the people who have always done them, they've got a vested interest in keeping things status quo. So, and that's the major obstacle really, because yeah, the, the moment that, we start seeing, yeah, a real push towards, as we said, influencing specifications. So they are integration friendly. They are basically commoditized. That's the problem, I guess. It's going to get to a point where, yeah, your BMS contractors, your lighting control contractors, they're not going to be specialized engineers, so to speak, anymore. I see a future where controls are embedded in equipment from the factory they configurable applications. And to be fair, yeah, BMS probably, BMS vendors and contractors as they exist now won't exist, I'd say, in 10 years' time. So, and but, so this is the challenge. They've got a vested interest in trying to keep things the way they are for as long as they can and protect their businesses and the concepts they're built upon. But meanwhile, you've got the IT world coming from the other side saying, we want APIs, we want JSON, we want MQTT, we want all these protocols, we want to talk to your systems, and they don't want to talk to the IT systems. So we can bridge that gap and influence things from the top down. It's going to be a real challenge. But yeah, it sounds like you and I are both up for that challenge. So it's got to keep pushing. But um, certainly coming around to the calling an integration platform a digital twin, the date dependency is something we focus on when we're building out our visualizations for our building services network. So one challenge that we have is 
because that central or the BSN is always the first thing that gets blamed when there's a problem in the building. When we put that converged network in, the moment that there's a communications problem with the controller somewhere in the building, the fingers all get pointed towards the network. You've locked my port, your switches down, the PDU's gone offline. So we've had to build out a, a visualization that basically shows the relationship between the servers, the core switches, the edge switches, the interconnecting cables, and then beyond the edge switch to the, the connected devices. So quickly and easily, you can see where the default actually is in the system. Exactly. So yeah. when the BMS contractor rings up and says, all oh, my VAV controllers are offline, you've got a switch down or you've got a fiber link down. Yeah, visually, you can see straight away, I've got connectivity or I've got power comes all the way to the edge switch. It looks like, yeah, it's definitely a BMS problem and you guys have got to come out and have a look at a power supply. We had an instance with a lighting control system where this happened. So they lost a whole lot of lighting controllers. Hours went past with lighting control contractors saying it was the network. We're saying it's them. Fingers getting pointed. Anyway, long story short, that we eventually got the lighting control contract to go to site. And whilst they were saying the only thing in common that all these lighting controllers had was the network, apparently. When they got to site, their circuit breaker had tripped that powered all those the controllers. <laughs> so whilst the comms were common, the power was common as well. So they got there, turned the breaker on, back online. So visualizing the two systems together and how they depend on one another can definitely save time and expanding that out between systems and having that visibility of the interoperability, yeah, that's sort of operationally, that'll be a massive advantage moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. And I think like what you're seeing, like in the next 10 years, hopefully if we can get this to build smart from start, that is going to be the operating system. It's not only going to be a DOS environment, right? But it's going to be a graphical environment where people can understand what's going on, irrespective of the discipline, and they can work together. The ultimate goal should probably be then, just sit around a table with all the people and just say, okay, this is what we can do. Okay. And then you make changes in the actual digital twin and you can see how it affects everyone. So the construction people can say, okay, oh, wow, this, this reduces this one. And then the CFO just, okay, let's take that box. Let's decide on this one. And then you go to the next one. Oh, what should we do here? Or how, what should the room look like? And then you do changes and you can see in real time. And then it just goes across everyone. And everyone says, yeah, I'm, I'm comfortable with this building. What about you? Yeah, this looks great. Uh, this looks great. FM companies, like the nursing homes, like all of them just like agree. Okay, let's build this building. And then there's going to be zero surprises, no change requests. Like there's going to be zero surprises during the entire construction process because everyone is has agreed already. And everyone knows exactly what is going to happen. It's going to be on time, actually 10% faster. Quality is going to be so much better. And the cost is going to be 5% cheaper. No one thought that was possible. It's going to be smarter for infinity. The building is going to take care of its own because it's got its own intelligence. And it's going to go less from this yeah, skill shortage gap to, yeah, let's just get someone that's fit for the job because we know exactly what's going to happen before it happens. So we're just going to fix it. So I think like this is definitely the future and everything is here today, almost at least to make it into a possibility is just that we have to do it. It's just a small part. And, and to that point, well, it's a people problem. It's not a technology problem. We've got the tech. It can be done. And you said it can be done cost effectively if it's integration is, well, yeah, if it's smart from the start, but it's a people problem and it's, yeah, these, as I said before, prehistoric figures who just don't want things to change because it's too hard and they can't just yeah, recycle the same ideas and the same engineering and and all these sorts of things. They have to perhaps learn a new skill set or 
write a new tender specification and it, yeah it all just sort of gets too hard so i mean it's a people problem industry problem just everyone is stuck in the same ways because it's the same right i've seen people that really want to do this but they can't because their bosses don't understand so it's also like the communication problem they can't really show the value again with the digital twin or they don't have the systems to do it they don't have the processes to do it it's such an easy problem to fix and it's such an extremely difficult problem to fix. It's um, like beyond parallel, right? So, I mean, but that's why we're here. And that's why the Beyond Buildings podcast exists to help people understand what the problems are and uh, how we can solve them. And it's definitely something that we have to do together. I mean, you're in Australia, I'm in Sweden. And together we can do this on a global scale because everything is the same, but different, to be honest. So how can people uh, find you if they want to talk to you, if they want to know more about what you're doing? Probably LinkedIn's the best place to go. So various articles and content up there. So yeah, if you search for Rob Huntington. I'll include it in the show notes as well. So Okay, easy done. Perfect. Thanks so much for a super interesting talk. I mean, I learned a lot and I love what you're saying about, again, like the outcome-based uh, focus and uh, communication as well as starting early. I think those are some of the core aspects and also, of course, like seeing technology as an enabler. Don't start with it. Don't focus on it. Know what it can do. Involve experts, but don't focus on yeah, just the nitty-gritty acronyms and these kind of things. That's useless, to be honest. So, uh Thanks so much, Rob. Take care. Speak soon. No worries. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Beyond Buildings podcast. And also a big thank you to our sponsor, Platform of Trust. For those of you who want to collect, harmonize, and trust data from anywhere in the world and make sense of it in a much, much faster way than ever before. Thank you. Thank you.